Good morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you don't have a traditional Bible but you'd like to use one, just raise your hand and one of these good-looking people will bring you one. You can either borrow that or you can keep it. It's our gift to you. Or you can take your digital device and open up the version, or it's also called the Bible app and all the notes and scriptures. Everything except for pictures and videos have already been uploaded. If you're watching us live on our online campus at our tailgate campus or at one of our many services at the Brown County Correctional Facility. We love you guys, so glad that you're part of our family, and we love you on this beautiful Bears. So I love Bears Sunday. Bears Sunday is like Christmas. I can't wait for the wind today. It's wrapped up. Oh, it's like the most beautiful. It's the most wonderful time of the year, unless you're a Bears fan. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. So anyway, love you guys, even our few wisdomless Bears fans. Today, we're, we're grateful for you guys. So anyway, when I was a kid, I, I really only ever wanted to be one thing. I never wanted to be a doctor. I never wanted to be a dentist. I never wanted to be a teacher or a policeman or a fireman. I never wanted to be an astronaut. I only ever wanted to be one thing. I wanted to be a professional football player. And y'all, I tried. I mean, I did everything I could with everything I had. I watched football. I read books about football. I went to football games. I went to football camps. I did push-ups and sit-ups, I lifted weights, I ran hills so I could build my endurance, I shuffled sideways up and down hills so I could increase my quickness, I ran up hills backwards because I heard that Jerry Rice ran up hills backwards, so I figured that must be the right thing to do. I drank raw eggs because I heard my favorite linebacker, Chris Spielman, drank raw eggs. One day when I was in seventh grade, I was walking down the hall. I had a soda in my hand, and the football coach, he's a legend. He's in the coaching hall of fame. Coach Bob Miller saw me with a soda in my hand. He mean mugged me, and he looked at me, and he said, what are you doing drinking a soda? Nobody ever made it to the NFL drinking soda. I don't know if that was true or not. I don't know if you've ever heard about, like, Ray Nitschke, some of the stuff he did. I'm pretty, he drank more than soda, and he made it to the NFL, but I didn't want to argue, so I didn't drink a soda for 10 years because I wanted to be one thing, a professional football player. And y'all, I got close. I played through college. I, I was even named uh, All-American, played in a little all-star game. My senior year worked out for a few teams, but in the end... I failed. <laughs> I didn't make it. I, I, in the end, I, I wasn't seeing myself for who I was. Uh, uh, now that I get to be around these guys, what I realize is that I just wasn't big enough. And because I wasn't big enough, it, it just made me not good enough. And I had put my life on hold chasing my childhood ambitions. I was focusing on my dream and ignoring my destiny. And so today I wanna to talk to you for a few minutes about the destiny cave. Let's pray. God, we love you, we value you, we're grateful to you. Thank you for who you are, thank you for what you do. God, thank you for your love and your affection, your adoration and your attention toward us. God, thank you that you take the time to focus on us. And so God, because of that, we feel like we should reciprocate that and we're gonna take a few moments at least and we're going to focus on you. God, I pray today that you would chip away, chip away, chip away at anything that doesn't look like you. 
that when we leave here, we'll look more like you, we'll sound more like you, we'll think more like you, so we'll be more like you. Make us less like us, more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this has been a really interesting series. It's been very introspective. It's caused a lot of revelation, coerced some very real reflection. But what you may not have realized is that these messages create a map. They're directing us to, driving us toward a destination. Uh, If you were here during the first week, you remember that I talked about how I had a very traumatic experience, a very traumatic event when I was in the first grade. After, After I'd been brutally bullied, beaten up every day for over a year, I had like this out-of-body experience. And and while I was having this out-of-body experience, I snapped. And when I snapped, my little heart and my little brain locked up. I was dropped into the damaged cave. And in that damaged cave, I became fixated. I was arrested in development, and it drove me into the dark cave. If you remember in that dark cave, Pastor Sonny talked about how we have two heart choices. We can live with either a soft or an open heart, or, or we can live with a hard or a closed heart. And that damaged cave drove me to a hardened heart. It closed my heart, and I became a different person. I was mean and manipulative. I I was a menace, and I was really maniacal, if I were honest, and I dove deeply into what's called the divided cave, where I made a choice, and I made a choice to live in denial. I refused to take responsibility for my actions. I played the blame game. I blamed society. I blamed the system. I blamed my school. I blamed my teachers and my parents. I blamed everyone and everything other than myself. And so every relationship and opportunity in my life was presented to and pursued by someone other than who I was. I really was 50% of who I should have been. I was weak and I was wounded. So I lived as a shadow, as a shell of who I would have been, should have been, and could have been if I just would have taken responsibility for and ownership of the part that I had played in the division between who I was and who I was meant to to be, and that refusal damned me to the death cave. And dealing with death, whether that be physical death, emotional death, or spiritual death, reveals what's really in the depths of who we are. And when I found myself at the bottom of the death cave and examined who I really was, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like who I was becoming because I. I had become a cave dweller. But all of these caves, they give us an opportunity, drive us toward a destination, give us detailed directions on how to go from our damage to our destiny. We all have damage. We've all been broken. We've all been wounded. We've all been hurt. But we also all have a destiny. God has great things for all of us. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, God has a great destiny for you. He, he has plans for you, says scripture. Plans for good and not for bad. For hope and for a future. For a destiny. And yet we wander around. We vacillate between small things and smaller things because we view ourselves through the lens of the world rather than through the lens of the one who gave us our destiny. So how do we go from our damage to our destiny? Well, we have to see ourselves for who we really are. But how do we do that? That's the, that's the million-dollar question. How do we see ourselves 
for who we really are. So today, I want to give you three steps to discover your destiny. Three steps to discover your destiny. Here's the first, is we have to have self-reflection. Uh, the New Testament, which is the second part, was written uh, by a collection of people, but largely half of it, if we're being truthful, was written by one person. Uh, we would call him an apostle. Our brothers down the road would call him a saint. His, his name was Saul. We now call him Paul because he had this dynamic experience with God where he discovered his destiny, so we call him the Apostle Paul. I don't know what his mommy called him. She probably didn't call him an apostle. She probably didn't call him saint. Maybe she called him Pookie. We don't know. We all have kid names. Next time you read scripture, just remember, First and Second Corinthians were written by somebody's Pookie. And so, in the book of Second Corinthians, which is really just the second letter that Paul wrote to his friends in the city in Corinth, he said this. Examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Test yourselves. I love this line. He says, don't you realize that Jesus is in you? Friend, he's, he's talking to them, but he's also talking to us. Don't you realize that Jesus is in you? Uh, my wife, Pastor Sunny, she is from South Dakota. And, and if you get to know her enough, that makes sense. And so if, if you've never been to South Dakota, you need to go because it's one of the most beautiful places in all of the country. Anyone who's not from South Dakota who goes to South Dakota agrees with me. People who are from South Dakota, they take it for granted. Just like people who are from Wisconsin, we kind of take for granted the beauty of Wisconsin. But, but if you've never been to South Dakota, y'all, listen, it is one of the most beautiful. It is magnificent. There are parts of South Dakota that prove that God is real, that, that reveal the brilliance of who God is. And one of the most fascinating places in that state are these crystal caves. And, and from, we put a picture up on here. This is not a fake picture, y'all. We did not paint this. This is not from a movie. This is a real picture that someone took. I don't know if it was with an iPhone, but they took it with like a regular camera. And, and from the outside, these caves look like any other cave. But on the inside, they are hiding brilliance. They are breathtaking Inside these caves are hidden these geological anomalies. You, you can see from the picture this beautiful little lake, and, and uh, I think a man built, or a woman built that bridge. I don't think that was like, I don't think that's God made, although that would be dope, wouldn't it? You'd be like, oh my gosh, God really was a carpenter. And so you, he, <laughs> there's this beautiful bridge, and, and hanging from the ceiling, if you would, are these brilliant crystals that are so big that you come face to face with them. And when you look into these crystals, you see your reflection and it is like looking in a mirror and it is confusing but captivating. Be because it kind of looks like you, but it doesn't entirely look like you. Because your reflection is determined by the size of the crystal. The bigger the crystal, the clearer your reflection. So if you don't like your reflection, Change your crystal. Let me show you this from a spiritual, i.e. practical perspective and give you three ways that you can change your reflection. If you don't like your reflection, 
Let me give you three ways to change it. And the first is this. We need to reflect Jesus in our thinking. God wants our minds to be filled with Jesus-centric, Jesus-centered thoughts. It, it's why in the book of Philippians, it tells us whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure, whatever is lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Can you imagine if those were your thoughts? Can you imagine if you replaced your thoughts with thoughts like that? Can you imagine particularly during this holiday season if you could do a thought transplant while you're waiting in line holding wrapping paper with a bad attitude? Doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Doesn't it seem counterintuitive to hold wrapping paper to give presents to people in the spirit of Jesus? This is the frustrated dance, isn't it? You all do it. You don't need to have much rhythm. All you have to do is be human. You go to any store, whether it be blue or red, and you will find people. And they, they're like background singers in a Motown band. But this is what they do. They go, ah, ah. I don't know what the lead singer is singing, but these are the background vocals. Seriously? Really? He said, seriously? He said, really? Seriously? Really? I don't have time. For, like, it's ridiculous. And you see people, and they're thinking things. Or people in traffic. What if the next time you got behind somebody old who shouldn't have their license anymore? Rather than thinking, call old person who shouldn't have their license anymore. What if you thought, you know what? I could use this slowdown right now. Ah. <sighs> What if your thoughts were pure? What if your thoughts were noble? Reflect Jesus in your thinking. Here's the second practical step. Re reflect Jesus in your talk. The book of Ephesians tells us, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And can you imagine if you did that? Can you imagine if the only words that came out of your mouth were wholesome? If the only words that came out of your mouth, I need to learn to delete some words from my vocabulary. I need to learn to delete some phrases from my vocabulary. If, if the only things that you said to your kids, if the only things that you said to your spouse, if the only thing you said to your coworker or to your boss were wholesome things, lovely things, things that were meant for building them up, can you imagine the difference that it would make in their lives and the difference it would make in yours? Here's the third practical step is reflect Jesus in your relationships. I have this friend, uh, she's, she's, she's in her 70s for sure. She's a first ballot Hall of Famer for God. There's no question about it. Like when you meet her, you go, there's like, if there were a Mount Rushmore of Jesus people, it would be like uh, Billy Graham. I mean, Jesus, we get it. He is the mountain, okay? So don't like get nitpicky about this because he's obviously on the mountain. But there'd be like, like Billy Graham, I think, with his sweet Grecian formula hair. <laughs> Two Christian leaders who have excellent hair. Billy Graham, when he was young, and Joel Osteen. I'm just saying, no one has worked a mullet like Joel Osteen. So you have Billy Graham, uh, Mother Teresa, me, no, I mean not me, uh, Fulton Buntain, 
Sorry, God forgive me. Fulton Buntain and this lady, her name is Jeannie Mayo. And she is the greatest youth pastor in the history of all youth pastors. And when Sonny and I first started ministry, she shared this line that revolutionized our lives. She said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you wanna know what you're gonna look like, just look at the people around you because you're definitely gonna become like them. And too many of us are failing at friendships, whether that's in attaining them or maintaining them, because so many of us have become jaded. We've become hurt. And so because we've become hurt, we've become guarded, even aloof. So we've gotten busy, too busy for relationships. But we're not recognizing that the result of that constant busyness is that we lack connection. There's a brilliant book by Michael Stallard. It's called Connection Culture. And in that book, he describes this trend as a culture of indifference, where we move through our lives convincing ourselves that we don't have time to show concern or compassion for the people around us. This last week, I I had to uh, have some work done on my obnoxiously big pickup. I bought a pickup, sight unseen, on the internet. Don't ever do that. So I bought it. It was in Dallas. So when it got here, it was bigger than the semi that transported it. It was ridiculous. It was like my pickup was pulling the semi that was supposed to be bringing it here. And when it got here, I was like, oh my gosh. And the first words out of Pastor Sonny's mouth, she goes, oh, that thing is obnoxious. And it really is. And so it pulls to the right. So I took it to the Ford dealership. They had to change a part. But the Ford dealership doesn't have a rack that is big enough to align my pickup. I was like, are you kidding me? What am I, Optimus Prime? And so like you had this pickup, it's being aligned. And the reason that it's being aligned is because I'm getting rid of it. And I'm getting rid of this truck and I bought a car from my friend Bradley, which, which I'm just telling you right now. Thank you, Dave Ramsey. My friend Bradley sold me a $100,000 car that's a few years old for like $20,000. I was like, hallelujah, I see that hand. And so like because I was doing the Dave Ramsey thing and I'm going to sell this obnoxiously big pickup, I had to put it at Pomp's Tire. Now when you drive from Pomp's Tire... It's super close to the church. But when it is negative five and you don't want to bother anybody and you decide you're going to walk from Pomp Tire to Life Church, it's stupid. (laughs) I got 12 steps down the road and suddenly my beard became an icicle. I looked like that guy who's at the Packer game. You know the guy that we're talking about that NBC shows him every time. That was me instantly. And so here's what I noticed. I mean, now, I know I don't look like the guy you want to pick up if you don't know me, but there were a lot of people who waved. Good job, buddy. They're like, I'm not exercising. Oh, tell me good job. I'm dying right now. Just drove by. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Look, kids, Big Ben, Parliament. I was like dying. Nobody had any concern. Nobody had any compassion. The scripture warns us about that. It gives us a heads up. It tells us to be kind and compassionate to each other, to forgive each other just as Jesus forgave us. So if you drove by me, I forgive you. Like, okay. So did you know that compassion means entering into someone else's passion? comes actually from a Latin word, compati. It's where the same root word where we get compatible. So if you know someone who's suffering, you know that you're suffering. Understand that you guys are both compatible. So have compassion with each other. Compati means to suffer with. 
Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great German pastor and anti-Nazi dissident during the Second World War, said, we must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or fail to do and more in the light of what they suffer. If you want to discover your destiny, the first step is self-reflection. Here's the second step. It is self-awareness. The Apostle Paul wrote such an interesting thought on this in his letter to his friends in the city of Corinth when he said, when I was a child... I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, when is now? When we begin to look like a man, think like a man. We only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am fully known. Watch this. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. When we put aside childish ambitions and see ourselves for who we really are, that is reflections of Jesus, only three things will remain in our lives. Faith, hope, and love. You know, Jesus was the most self-aware human who's ever lived. And I actually believe that it's because he spent so much time in the wilderness concentrating on and elaborating on the words of his father who said, you are my son, I love you. With you, I am well pleased. And some of you, you need to get away from the sound of the crowd and get in the wilderness and listen to the voice of the Father. Because Jesus' wilderness experiences were the times when God filled him with affirmations about who he was and how much he loved him. And it was the place where Jesus' self-awareness was tested, where his self-awareness was strengthened. And friend, you can either whine in the wilderness or you can win in the wilderness. And the way that you win in the wilderness is to take it as an opportunity to test and strengthen your self-awareness. So let me give you five quick ways to do that. Let me give you five quick practical ways to increase your self-awareness. They're just questions, things to ask yourself, okay? Five of them. Here's the first one. If I could be remembered for three things after I die, what would they be? I'll tell you mine. Don't take them. Don't, this isn't an open book test. You got to get your own. But here's what I want to be remembered as. I want to be remembered that I was a great husband, that I was a great father, and that I was a great Jesus guy. Here's the second question. If I could make one change in the world, what would it be? And this one's daunting. And the reason that it's daunting is that the world is filled with need. There is famine. There is sickness. There is apartheid. There is poverty. There is genocide. There is human trafficking. There are boy soldiers. There are, so, I mean, people dying of malaria who could just survive if they had a net. There's 60% of the world doesn't have access to clean water. Like there's so many things like you say, where do I even begin if I could just change one thing in the world, what would it be? And I'll tell you mine, that everybody would just love Jesus. Because can I tell you, if everybody would just love Jesus, there wouldn't be apartheid. There wouldn't be genocide. There wouldn't be poverty. There wouldn't be famine. There, like, it, like, so that's my one wish. You come up with yours, maybe it's that you could get a new car. Here's number three. Do I fit my own personal definition of a friend? Like, do you have a definition of what a good friend would be? You got to get that first. And once you get that, ask yourself, do you fit it? Number four, what are my top five most deeply held core values? Does your life align with those things? Number five, what value do I bring to the world? And let me give you a little hint. The answer is not nothing. Every one of you brings value to the world. You are important. You are valuable. You are precious, you are called, you are destined. No one in here can say that I don't bring any 
value to the world. So to discover our destiny, we need self-reflection, we need self-awareness, and finally, we need self-surrender. And this is the most important one. This is the cornerstone. This is the core of all of our Jesus journey. In fact, Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And can I tell you, he's not meaning that you gotta go out and be nailed to a cross. He's talking about getting rid of your agenda. He's talking about getting rid of your thoughts. He's talking about getting rid of your reality of who you are. All of scripture points to our primary purpose to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Scripture says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. You know, when you're in those crystal caves in South Dakota, your ability to see your reflection is determined by the time of day that you're in the cave. There's a certain time of day when sunlight beams through the entrance of the cave. And when that sunlight hits the crystals, the crystals change. For 95% of the day, the crystals reflect the light of the cave. But for a very small sliver of time, they radiate the light of the sun. And while those crystals are radiating the light of the sun, the crystals switch from mirrors to magnifiers. And the entire cave is filled with the blinding light of the sun. And I wonder, are you reflecting the light of your cave or are you radiating the light of the sun? If you don't like the reflection, change the crystal. Will you do that today? Would you bow your heads all across this place? You know, in the church world, we talk about this word salvation and salvation is a very churchy word that just means rescuing. At its core, salvation is changing the crystal. Salvation is changing the reflection that you see. You were meant to be the image of the sun. And so today we're gonna give you the opportunity to do that. And we're gonna do that in a couple of ways. First, in just a moment with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people to, to do two things. First is the confess and the second is profess. Here's what I mean. We're gonna give you an opportunity to confess that you are a sinner. After that, we're gonna give you an opportunity to profess that you believe that Jesus can change that. Here's, here's how we're gonna do that in a very practical way. First is in just a moment with nobody looking around, I'm gonna ask for people who are in here who would say, Sean, I do not have a relationship with Jesus, but I wanna change that. In just a moment, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. That's your way of confessing, saying I am a sinner. Once you've made eye contact with me, you can put your hand down and then we're gonna give everybody in here an opportunity to profess that they believe that Jesus can change that. And here's how we're gonna do that, is I'm gonna say a prayer and you're gonna repeat it after me. And everybody in here is gonna repeat it after me, but scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he deliver you from your sins, he will change your life. So if you're here today, you say, Sean, I want to confess that I'm a sinner and profess that Jesus can change that. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me? Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, thanks. Okay, I'm gonna ask everybody in here, say these words after me. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, but I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life, change me, make me different, make me new, be my Lord 
and be my savior in Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, would you do us a favor, take the hello card that Pastor Sonny talked about earlier, it's in your seat back. Would you just take that, tear off the bottom part, fill in whatever information you're okay with us having, check the box that's highlighted in yellow, it says I'm choosing to follow Jesus. You can either put that in the black buckets when they come around at the end, or you can take it out to the Welcome Center. We do have a packet of information that we would love for you to get. You can either get that at the Welcome Center, or there are tables right outside this auditorium. Inside that packet, there's a three-month devotional, and there's a CD called What Now? It's a 12-minute presentation where I talk about the next logical steps that you should take in your Jesus journey. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes one more time. Don't leave yet. We're not done. Pastor Sonny's going to close us out here in just a second, but I wonder if you're here, you say, Sean, I'm a Jesus guy or I'm a Jesus girl, but you know that you're not living your destiny. And maybe the reason for that is because you don't know what that destiny is. And so if you're here and you say, Sean, I want to discover my destiny, I want to pray for you. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand in this place so that I could pray for you? Yes, so God, we love you. We thank you. We're grateful to you. We honor you. Thank you for my friends who have a deep desire to change God. Show us who we are. Show us who you are. Help us discover our destiny in Jesus' name. Amen.